everyone. Okay. Welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about psilocybin, but my guest Mark does. Mark, thank you for joining the show. Thank you. How are you? How's it going? Going well. Uh, yeah, so uh, the first question that I wanted to know is, what is psilocybin? Yeah, so I guess you're starting from, from the beginning. So uh, I guess uh, it means different things to different people, uh, but to me, uh, I would think of it as... Um, I would think of it as something in between, like medicine and um, kind of a tool to access kind of whatever spiritual realm that exists in the world. Um, and um, that's what it, it's meant to me yeah. over the past couple of years. I tried it. That's awesome. And, and just for yeah. for people who don't know, where where is psilocybin found? Where does it come from? So. Um, it comes from, I mean, in recent years, it's been, uh, discovered, uh, in Mexico, but the first case of, of psilocybin was actually in Europe was recorded by this guy, I think in the late 1700s who picked some mushrooms and, um, you know, in the garden or something, fed it to his family. And then like his like eight year old son started like just just falling, just kind of, uh, basically like they had no idea what to make of it. And, um, that was the like, first case in Europe where that, you know, that was recorded, but for some reason that was never gained any sort of widespread, um, popularity. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it seems like in the 1950s, I believe there was, um, there was a woman in, uh, like a, a sort of shamanic type woman who, uh, as far as I know, this is not my, I'm, this is not my <laughs> full, I, I don't know enough to, to really talk about this in detail, but, but I think like, uh, she, she was some sort of Catholic, like native woman mm -hmm. who helps that, you know, use this for like spiritual or, or sort of pseudo like native religious rituals and, and Christian rituals, kind of something synthesized together. And, uh, I'm being synchronized and, yeah. and um, and uh and this is that lady in mexico right yes and maria um, something i believe is it again i think it's like maria something maria <laughs> that's the Can name in my out? head nah. <laughs> um cool and, and so Going. what's that yeah i don't know sorry go ahead and it's it's so it's mostly found in these uh, types of mushrooms, right? And, and I guess uh, uh, they found it back in Europe. You're saying, uh, but the most recent popularity started in the '50s with this this lady in Mexico. As far as I understand, like the most yeah. the actual like widespread use, I think uh, you know started you know by started with the lady in Mexico, and then I assume the 1960s really helped uh, for it to really spread and. Uh, gain like wide acceptance but like that existed for many years um it, in like you know secret you know religious societies in ancient greece i don't think this was psilocybin but this was um I believe uh something called ergot mm -hmm. that's found in 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 wheat like, right. you know something can you know something with a way something can go wrong uh, with the way it grows and, and then occasionally you'll, you'll encounter something like that 
and ergot is, is is a similar in its is in the compound similar to LSD. So right. that was um that's something that it's been uh, uh there's been a lot of conversations recently about that. But uh but in terms of like actual psilocybin I think like mostly mostly this is um the history of that's mostly centered in 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 the American continent uh, with occasional you know documentation of it being used or being found in Europe so yeah yeah it's very cool and uh before we get into like your personal journeys that I'm interested in in getting to can you describe in general what is it like to take psilocybin like how long does it last what types of things can you expect so um there are it's generally a split up into three phases. There is the onset, the peak, and and then what comes after that, which is kind of the last kind of part of the journey that where you're still experiencing, you know, an elevated state, and you might like see certain things that are different, but it's you're kind of going back into reality. So you're starting off with the sort of um, slowly, like maybe like the like the things kind of appear or kind of feel different, like more like an, I think it starts off uh, more emotionally different, mm-hmm. and um, there could be sometimes it's not always the case, but some uh, stomach pain or discomfort, and uh, and then this sort of that usually goes away, and then you, you sort of keep um, that the, the sort of the experience becomes more and more intense, or sort of goes mm. up, so to speak. Uh, and um, and then you experience a certain like that is that last the, the onset is about an hour, give or take. Uh, and then you know the next hour, hour to within the next like three to two hours, you have you'll have a, a peak, and the 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 last stage of it um so that's sort of the the general yeah sort of blueprint of it and in total like what's the the length would you say so i would say like the total length of an actual trip uh, where you're actually experiencing the full effects is probably three hours give or take i mean it could be four hours but generally not more than that uh, the after effects of it could last for up to six hours, eight hours, mm-hmm. and then up to even the next day. Really, mm-hmm. what people experience is something called an afterglow. Where there's like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's probably still something in your system, and also just the experience of going through something out of the world could could sort of carry over the next day or the next couple of days. Interesting, but the experience itself is yeah, yeah. And uh, so the experience. What? How, how do you prepare? for a trip so something that is uh you know across all the literature is uh, set and setting can you describe what that is and, and how does that help optimize the experience so um the thing about psilocybin and, and the people that might have had some experiences with other other drugs don't understand that it's it's actually it operates in a different way than then uh take something like weed or something mm. and weed would be 
like you take a certain amount, you take more of it, it'll give you a, a higher experience. It's, it, and um, something like alcohol would also sort of belong in the same category of like classic, you know, drugs where you, you take a, a, the drug and it's, it seems like the drug itself is the thing that gives you the experience or the, mm-hmm. the altered state. And with psilocybin, and I don't really under, fully understand the, like how, how this works, but it seems like, like at, at least half of the experience is influenced by just where you are, things that are external to the actual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the, it seems like it's not a matter of like how much mushrooms right. uh, you ingest, how much, how much psilocybin you actually ingested. Um, it's actually, it seems like it's more, um, like you could take like two grams of mushrooms, for example, mm-hmm. that could be, uh, and that, that could be an experience like that would be a lot more intense or potentially unpleasant compared to an experience of taking like four grams of mushrooms, just double the amount. But let's say if you're in a different setting or in a right. more relaxed setting or in a specific setting, you might experience something that's, um, you know, it doesn't seem to be so much so related to the actual drug itself. Mm-hmm. So setting setting is really emphasized both in both by people who um, do it recreationally and um, even more so by by people you know when it's done in a clinical setting by therapists who administer it in these very controlled mm-hmm. uh, environments. So what are those like? What what would be a good optimal environment for someone? Um, like what would you recommend in terms of, in terms of set and setting for, uh, for people to, to maximize the benefits here? So I think an ideal set and setting would be, uh, something that both, uh, allows for like the freedom to roam around and experience like things that are like not easily predictable or or fully sort of uh, like like suppose like there's a, like, like you somewhere in nature somewhere that's a little wild and 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 different but also a set but also contains within the same like space like a place where like a home base where you could be safe and go back to mm-hmm. so I would say in my personal uh, experiences with this the ideal setting was like something like you know a little airbnb or something on you know upstate upstate new york um you know with a lot of beautiful sort of scenery to look out yeah. too but it's still being like a controlled space like you can't really you don't really worry about going somewhere or like getting lost right um so if you feel like you know, you're kind of experiencing something difficult, you could also just go back home, back, you know, into your room and just lay down and do that. But if you feel like you want to go out, you can experience that too. And um, I think what what was emphasized by um, this psychologist uh, at Johns Hopkins, um, uh, Bill Richards, he he was someone who, he was actually the last person who administered um, psilocybin in the clinical setting, like, before it became illegal mm-hmm. uh, in the early seventies. And he was one of the original people who like brought it back. Uh, Cause he was, you know, sort of person with the expertise and they kind of asked him to come back and, and 
so he um, he I learned a lot about the stuff from him specifically. So he 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 puts it in a way that um, his idea is that the best setting setting is the setting in which you will be the most likely to uh, feel comfortable to surrender the experience. Mm-hmm. Because surrendering to the experience is where is is the state in which you'll be the most likely to, to benefit from it mm-hmm. emotionally and otherwise. And and you know the reverse of that would be a situation where you're not surrendering to the experience, where suppose you're you don't feel safe, um, you don't know you're you're scared, and you don't know you, you your your mind is busy taking care of the body. Yeah, and that's a setting in which you you won't surrender to the experience and then, and then you won't, you might actually either not fully benefit from the experience or, um, experience something that's, you know, commonly called a bad trip where mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of fighting it. And in, in so doing you're, you're almost making you, you know, you get you kind of almost experience a panic attack of some sort and then inviting it, it gets worse and worse. Yeah. So, so the best thing that that could be done is like, whatever it is that would, kind of make you feel like, okay, I'm fine. I could just surrender to this experience. So probably for, for most people, I assume it's being around, you know, probably some friends, um, people they already know, people they don't feel like they need to sort of need to be afraid of, mm-hmm. uh, like being in an environment in which like you're not worried about, about running out into the street and then, you know, hurting yourself or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, um, and I assume it's different for, for different people, right? Because, uh, whatever it is that would make you feel that way is what really what the point is. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and what about uh, dosage? Like you mentioned, uh, two grams or four grams? Is that like the, the? Would you say that's the range, two to four grams, or is it like what? What would you say is the appropriate dosage? Uh, generally speaking, that's that's how. Um, that's how people, um, that's how, uh, so it's, it's two grams is generally like what's considered enough to actually experience a, a real trip as opposed to what people would call them, call them microdose where, you know, that would be like a, under a gram. You, you might experience some effects, but it's not really a full experience. Uh, so two grams is generally what would kind of get you there. It's not exact because we don't know exactly, you know, what we're, if you're ingesting like mushrooms, you don't know exactly how much psilocybin is in those two grams. It could be like less than what you need mm-hmm. and it could be way more than what you need. But um, generally speaking, that it seems to be what most people find works for them. But, but you could also, people also go higher than that, you know, three grams or four grams and and that might create a more intense experience, but it also might not. That's what's complicated right. about mushrooms that you don't really know. Uh, you don't really know what you're going into. Uh, and the high, a higher dose doesn't necessarily equate to a more intense experience. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the uh, uh, percentage of, of psilocybin within the mushrooms is pretty consistent across um, like a, the same strain? So if you have like whatever golden teacher or albino penis envy or whatever the strain is like do you think the concentration is the same or even within those strains it could be very very varied 
So I've, I've tried to like actually get the answer to that question. I, I was never able to actually um, get to the bottom of it because, and it seems like the most difficult um, thing about this is because set and setting is so important. Yeah. It's hard to really say that, okay, I took this strain right. and I experienced that, and I took another strain and experienced something else. Like, how do you know that that's actually the strain and not like the right. specific environment you were with, the friends you were with? I mean, like, that's, there's no way to, so, I assume the best way to, so in terms of the, the level of psilocybin, I assume that's probably more related to how it's stored mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like if it's something like older, not stored very, very well, it often could be just not potent enough. I assume that means that the psilocybin is right. it's just a lower per, per, per gram of mushroom. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, it seems, but I, I, that's, um, that's the thing. Like you're when when you're dealing with um, with you know recreational use of, of mushrooms as opposed to like mushrooms that are done in they're used in, in clinical settings. I mean, you, you're kind of you're you're kind of going in for a little bit of a, a little bit of a guessing game here. Yeah. Um, well, in clinical, they guess, usually use like synthesized, right? So they can measure it out even more precisely. So yeah. So that's. So that synthesizes, you know exactly what you're yeah. getting. But I, again, I don't know. Even in that case, I would assume that you don't know exactly how much, how how doses will affect things because yeah, uh, because because of the set and setting thing. But I assume when you're dealing with uh, kind of ingesting actual mushrooms, you're dealing with two kind of unknowns. Mm-hmm. Like both, uh, you don't know how much actual psilocybin is in there. You don't know how much actual. You don't know. You don't know exactly. You know. Yeah. What will affect what? Um, yeah, you, you mentioned the word microdose, which for some reason is like the most popular word out there. If you say the word mushrooms or psilocybin or, or LSD or anything to someone who, who, who's not like from that world, you could almost guarantee that like the next question or two is going to have the word microdose in it. What is, what is a microdose? Like, what does it actually mean? So, um, the actual definition of a microdose is 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 probably something that is something that would either make you experience nothing or experience like almost nothing. Yeah. When it comes to the actual experience until then. So the idea is you're you're kind of treating it like any other medication, uh, like you know that you're taking like long term mm-hmm. something like an antidepressant or something, and you know the effects of it won't be apparent right away, but then apparently. And this is not, I feel like, I know, I, as far as I know, this is still being studied, and, um, but it could have some, you know, long-term effects, as opposed yeah. to, you know, and this would be different than, an, than the experience of, of ingesting mushrooms in this sort of trip, yeah, in a trip context where you're, you're experiencing something out of this world and obviously can't function the way a normal person would be able to. Yeah, yeah to me, it's like, there, there's like three levels almost. There's like tripping, which is, uh, I would say, uh, you know, at least two grams or even sometimes one and a half grams you could trip. Um, then you could take less than that and still be high without tripping, but you're definitely high. Like yeah. You're not sober. And then yeah. you could take so little that you don't even feel high really. Like to me, microdosing is that third level. Like I feel like if you're... If you're high, <laughs> like yeah. that's not microdosing anymore. 
yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my impression. I don't know if that's there is that little about. sweet spot where you're you're not quite high, but yeah. But you think you think that like not like if you're high in any way, if you're actually feeling it, then you're not. Yeah, like you might not be fully tripping, but I think once you're high, that's not a microdose anymore. It it's just like a small dose. It's just mm-hmm. uh, like you can't you can't take that level and and go to work like you. <laughs> yeah, there is there is something like right below that. I because I, I took um. 0.25 grams, which is mm-hmm. like a little higher than, than a microdose. Oh, is a microdose it? is generally, I think, 15 or 20. Point, point uh, 0.15? 0.25, yeah. Uh, You're saying microdose is usually 0.15 or, or 0.2? Yeah, I believe so. Don't, I don't quote me on this, I believe that that's a little, for me, whatever it is, but the experience was something very interesting where it was like, it, I, I was like functioning normally, but yeah. there's something like strange. I mean, in my case, I found it to be very unpleasant. Uh, I generally find, okay, when I'm experienced, like, uh, you know, you know, when I, when I planned out a trip, for example, and thought, you know, expected to get high, and then, and then it, it turned out that, you know, maybe the mushrooms are not good mm-hmm. or something and, and didn't experience anything. That's a very frustrating experience. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, you might feel something, but it's just enough to make you, like, feel anxious or something without actually Interesting. experiencing the, the actual trip. So, um, so yeah, so there's a, so in terms of microdosing, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Have you, um, what have you heard about this? Like otherwise, I mean, oh, it's about, just like the, the buzzword and, uh, I, I, um, don't mind the feeling. I think that like taking a small amount can, can like elevate my mood, um, you know, without necessarily making me feel high. Um, I don't have anything against it. I don't think that there is any um data to to suggest that microdosing uh, on a regular basis has any uh real benefits compared to um taking just a, a strong dose once or twice in your entire life seems to have a very profound effect on people um i don't think that there is much evidence around microdosing but people do seem to like it um but i i think yeah. I, I just don't think people really know what it means so that 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 leads to confusion <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The question is, does anyone really know what all this stuff means? Because like, it's it's being studied right. seriously now. Uh, um, Andrew Huberman recently yeah. uh, talks uh, talks about how pharmaceutical companies are th- are uh, you know exploring just yeah. like taking apart the psilocybin so that you don't actually even experience any high. So if, if there are you know the question is if there are yeah. long-term benefits to, to having psilocybin is it because of the trip that you're having right. or is it just because of the psilocybin itself so, it's like the analog of like cbd when it comes to like weed right they figured out how to take out just the cbd and sell it yeah. with all these uh benefits right uh, i don't know <laughs> i guess yeah, that's the yeah, same, yeah, yeah. same kind of thing yeah, the more the more like um, widespread it becomes and the more less stigma there is you know surrounding yeah. it the more you'll have yeah the more we'll know about this but it, it seems like at this point like we know more than we used to but oh yeah it, you know we'll, we'll probably have to wait another five ten years to really get get a full picture of how this works yeah um are there any risks people should be aware of before trying psilocybin uh so the biggest risk would be um for people who have uh like a prior history of 
psychosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that seems to be the biggest risk. And in and at Johns Hopkins, they, they actually go as far as like, you know, asking if you had like a cousin or a second cousin or something that, that, that has psychosis. I mean, like they would, they would go to like distant relatives to be extra cautious about this. But it seems like, you know, people who do, um, they have either schizophrenia or bipolar. Like it seems like it could, it could really just take that to, to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, otherwise the risks for, um, for people who don't have schizophrenia or bipolar would be like just not being in a safe environment. You know, you could potentially like do something stupid and, you know, right down to the street or, you know, so like, like actually not planning things in advance and just taking it, um, not respecting it, so yeah. to speak, you know? Uh, so, so I think, um, but it seems like based on, you know, what, what people are saying about this right now and the, you know, that, that it's not, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to have any sort of real, you know, uh, there are no real dangers associated with this. I think well, something that I've heard that I'm 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 pretty sure is uh, a misconception, but I'll ask you. But there, uh, some a, a couple of people actually um, have made the assumption that it is addictive. Is there anything addictive about psilocybin? I mean, I find this to be like um, uh, just just false. I mean, I, that kind of statement would, wouldn't make any sense because it's. Um, for me, at least, based on my own experience, it, it seems like psilocybin is not something that's fun. The way you, you would, um, way you would describe like other drugs, like I assume cocaine is something that that would that people experience as, you know, automatically pleasant. You know, like it elevates your levels of dopamine and to, you know, shoots it up to levels that you know, yeah, that you can't, you know, you compare it to like the experience of just everyday life. Like it's not even close. It's always so you always want to go back to that. Yeah. Um, I've never tried MDMA, but apparently that that also tends to be just just a, a hacky drug that you that you could you know just take and, and uh, experience just pure bliss. Yeah. And but I don't. But with mushrooms, I, I I don't. Whenever I think of taking it, I don't think like I'm I'm gonna have a great time necessarily. <laughs> I might have the worst time in my life, and and just like it might it'll definitely be. Um, something elevated but certainly won't be pleasant and then i don't like like i never i've never experienced like after a trip is over like the feeling of like oh wow i just want to do it again tomorrow like yeah. it's not like it's something it's not something that either i experience or i've ever experienced or um have uh at least with other people as well like i don't think that that seems to be the case yeah yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that, um, I mean, definitely with with physical addiction, I don't think there have been any uh, any findings that it's physically addictive in, in ways that, uh, for example, alcohol or, or heroin and stuff like that that are, have like a, a physical addiction. Um, I think mentally you could be addicted to anything really, but like you said, like this doesn't seem to be the thing that like it's not like gambling or porn or stuff like that where people have like a mental addiction um, yeah. like it's not the same kind of thing yeah i mean 
I mean, I think that the fact that it's not fun, it probably yeah. does, does really, does affect this. I mean, it's, it's not, but I don't know, maybe other people experience it differently. But I, I mean, like, I don't associate, like, the experience of being on mushrooms is like something that, you know, I'm having, I'm having fun right now. Like, right. like drinking beer does, does sound like that, right? Like, you just, you know, drink something, you feel, you feel nice. You know, that's not, it's something you could potentially feel on mushrooms, but. Right. Usually, even even on the best of trips, if you'll still have a few some moments of yeah. being absolutely terrified, and you know, so again, that's that's my my opinion. Yeah, but yeah, that makes sense. How how did you first hear about psilocybin, and what made you interested in taking it for the first time? So, I mean, it seems like over the past um, couple of years, there's been a lot of buzz about this. Um, and, um, you know, it, it sort of came out of the, the fringes and it seems like very mainstream figures, uh, with like huge audiences, guys like, you know, Joe Rogan and, uh, Sam Harris have been taught, I started, I've been talking about this. So I sort of, I've been hearing about this a lot, but like, um, I was sort of afraid of taking the actual plunge because it seems like a, I mean, it seems something that, you know, it's associated with something terrifying, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, um, so, so it seems like at some point I was just convinced that it's, it seems like, you know, for someone like myself who doesn't have, um, any history of psychosis and there's no one in my family who does, it seems like, the effects of taking it, even if it would be bad, would be like so bad. Yeah. Uh, and I tried it, and it seems like um, I, mean, I feel like that convinced me that um, to jump into it. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and uh, yeah. how how long ago was that? This is three years ago, so right before COVID. Uh, it's interesting, like January twenty, January twenty twenty. So we're now in. Yeah, it was like over three years ago. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so funny. Yeah, that was that's the one yeah. I was there for, right? That was my first time, also. <laughs> and uh, and we, it's, I mean, it's because it sounds like we both uh, we both arrived there from the same kind of impetus of of hearing you know yeah. people like Rogan and Harris uh, uh, talking about it. Um, yeah. Do you remember anything about the things that they were saying that made you say like, oh wow, this is this is something I want to try. I mean, it's kind of difficult. I mean, it's, it's described as something, uh, so out of this world that it's kind of hard for, for someone who's never tried it to even understand what it is. But there's enough of a, I guess what's the, what's the question? Is there like some, like, what was it like? Like did anything stand out that that you remember? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the potential of it sort of changing you fundamentally, yeah, and kind of putting you in another, you know, that there was, you know, that's something that I think I was very open to at that point, you know, wanting to sort of take another direction. Yeah. So that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And did you? Um, the, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, I was, I was just going to ask, um, like, have you noticed any, any changes, uh, you know, since, since taking it, 
um, whether positive or negative in, in your life that you think you can uh, attribute to um, having taken uh, psilocybin? Uh, so, so I don't know if, if, um, this is a, just a correlation or there's yeah. a, a, or there is an actual cause and effect situation going on here, but I, I, I know that my levels of anxiety, specifically social anxiety, mm-hmm. just drastically went down. Oh, wow. Uh, like in a way that I, I almost don't even recognize myself like from back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's directly related to this, but it seems to be like a huge, yeah. I, 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 I feel like it is connected. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of like negative stuff, I mean, I would say it's, I don't know if this is negative or positive, but there's probably more, I have more of an awareness of my own mortality. Mm-hmm. In a way that I don't think that I've ever that I, I felt before this because like during these experiences some some of them could be like really you know you could face you know the experience of of, of your own death even mm-hmm. you know that that could, that could happen and that's happened to me and like that that I mean it's a good thing generally I mean because that you know unfortunately you know, that's something that we're all gonna have to face at one point or another mm-hmm. and the fact that um like knowing that that or feeling that that's something that that's real um, is a good thing, but can also potentially be a bad thing if you don't, if you choose to go in the direction of being like sad about it, as opposed to being right, you know, experiencing gratitude for the life that you do have and the time that you do have in this, this the left. I think that, 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 um, that I think is, uh, I mean, that could be potentially bad. You can say that it's bad, right. but I think that overall, it probably it probably is. Yeah, it probably is beneficial. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I feel like uh, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, speaking of those like uh, those bad situations or scary situations, like have you had uh, what people call a bad trip? You think that's a good thing to call it? Like what? Like how? How is that? Are those experiences? So it can, it, like I said, like it could be uh, you know as bad as I guess you can experience the thing that people are the most afraid of, and ultimately, which is our own our own finitude. So like I, I that's something that. Um, it could be, but I think that with the right approach, and, and if you're approaching it from a you know sort of an intentional and I don't know philosophical or spiritual approach, like I, there yeah. could be, um, there's always something that this can teach you. I mean, there's always something that a bad trip can, can sort of like, or you can benefit from it. Yeah, if you kind of, and if only just just the experience of. of getting out of it like experiencing something yeah. absolutely terrifying and then coming back to the real world and you know just there there's a there's a feeling that i i've had uh, you know when coming back just absolute gratitude yeah. like being able to just just be alive and and not experiencing that level of terror and right you know so it, that, that's it, but, but they're even within the actual experiences themselves i think there's like there are things that 
you know, people often find that they can look back to and, and notice that they benefited from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the, the best way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, what's, yeah. what's ego dissolution and have you ever experienced it? Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced it. Like it's, uh, so ego dissolution is probably, it seems like a theme for people, um, or one of the themes that people experience on, on, on psilocybin along with like people, there are like themes, mm-hmm. you know, related to, you know, God or something or, you know, Ego dissolution seems to be like one of the one of the things that people um, experience, and it's just maybe just completely. I think just losing uh, a, a sense of like existing, mm-hmm. I mean, being like you know in a state of essentially just looking up at, at the sky and like not knowing that you're the one who's looking at the sky right. and experiencing that is just kind of just just being a, being in a total state of being of of a. Uh, uh, probably presence i think like that's what yeah um that's what um like i, I think there was also, i think it, it must be related to, to another feature of mushrooms where like people like time seems to like mm-hmm. slow down and people can really experience the now yeah in, in, in a very profound way and i think that that could go even <sighs> the next level of that i assume would probably be the ego dissolution yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a cool concept, because um, like when you're in it, I mean you're not in it; it's just it. But somehow you're yeah. experiencing it, <laughs> like. Yeah. And it's is it even possible to describe after the fact? Because you you have to insert yourself into the experience to explain it. <laughs> like, yeah. How do you even do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very it's very difficult actually. Even like it seems like I found the only only thing related to this is difficult to explain right like yeah yeah thank you right but um yeah have you experienced that you go to solution um i think for for brief periods of time um uh you know i i don't think it, it's been every uh it's not every trip and it's not definitely not like for like a long period of time but i definitely but you know my recollection automatically taints it because like it's no it's no longer that moment so trying to recall it but um like i i I, i'm pretty sure i had the experience of like being in music and like not not listening to the music not playing the music but just like kind of being it somehow but but not me just i mean the music was happening and i was happening <laughs> i don't know yeah, but i wasn't yeah. i wasn't there it was just somehow in my, it's in my memory yeah <laughs> yeah somehow we so somehow you weren't there while being while experiencing yeah like it, like obviously i was experiencing it but not not during that moment it, it was it was being experienced by something it's so impossible to describe without using the word i it's impossible but at the time yeah. that's definitely what it felt like yeah 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 how 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 do you even try to begin to describe this i mean there's because like who who is the one who notices that you're not 
you're, you're experiencing ego dissolution. Right. Like, is that, is that not you? Is that like, it's kind of a, but you, there is that feeling though. There's a feeling where you kind of forget that you're you. Yeah. Know, that you're for, for a few moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have have you had any other uh, psychedelics, and if so, how would you compare psilocybin to other psychedelics? So I tried LSD once, and uh, this is after having having done mushrooms for like good five, six times. Um, so like having a sense of what the experience is like. Yeah. Uh, and my feeling about it was that it's it's less. Uh, emotional compared to to mushrooms it's more uh, the emphasis is more on the kind of visual experiences of it like kind of the things kind of change and become um, you know different shapes and colors but not as much like the the intense like emotional or spiritual experiences that people experience on mushrooms either but I don't know enough about it to be able to say this definitively because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is just was one experience, and I'm sure, like, you know, another experience could have felt different. Uh, but I did. What I did feel was that it, it was physically a lot more taxing. Like, a, like in the, the week after, uh, you know, the weekend that I did the, mm-hmm. the LLSD, I just felt completely fatigued, and um, like it seems like it does drain a lot more energy from you like compared to mushrooms where uh, it seems to um the after effects of mushrooms are just nice mm-hmm. you know, just, you feel relaxed or something it's not for me i don't but yeah with, with the lsd it seems like it really does tire you out and it's generally recommended that you know it's very important to get sleep like after it yeah like, get like a full night of sleep otherwise it'll just make, make that even worse yeah uh, what are what are some other themes of the the psilocybin experience? So, I think a pretty common one would be um, things related to religion mm-hmm. and, and or religion or spiritual or the divine in general mm-hmm. or whatever that means. Um, it seems to be a common I think that people experience. Um, like it's hard to really say like yeah for everyone like you mentioned that 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 wasn't something that you ever experienced yourself um i mean i've definitely thought a lot about god and and judaism um it didn't uh i don't think it i felt like i was encountering the divine i wouldn't say that Mm -hmm. right right so like i've always wondered if this this could be something that um you know, something that people are experiencing, like because they were they're already thinking about it, right? And that's just kind of that's just kind of whatever you're already thinking about that'll just kind of or you know, your mind will just go in that direction, but enhance it. Yeah. Uh, but it does seem like a very common thing when people talk about. Yeah. You know, uh, Bill Richards uh, talks about these things as. Uh, the the experiences that people have on mushrooms as uh, kind of proving Carl Jung's ideas about archetypes mm-hmm. that, that people kind of already like something like 
like Christ would be something that people that's already ingrained in the right. human brain. And then people form the image of Christ based on that right. already existing thing. And that, cause people, he, he, he says that people, or, you know, Hindu gods or whatever it is, right. you know, like patients who might've had no, no exposure to that experience, seeing things like that. Um, so, so I think, I think that's probably, I mean, that's whatever we one, one would make of that. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense and there's definitely yeah. plenty of evidence, especially like you were talking about before with the ergot that like psychedelics were very formational or foundational in how a lot of religions were started. Um, and, uh, you know, you could trace back, uh, ergot to, to early Christianity and, and all those things. So it, it definitely makes sense that, um, you know, psilocybin, um, other psychedelics, uh, one of the, uh, big things that, that people do seem to take away from it is some, uh, sense of spirituality, um, and, and that kind of thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the Jung, um, the Jung thing is like it's interesting because he he didn't necessarily say that these uh, archetypes are like prove the actual existence of these deities. Right. It's just, it's just saying that these experiences on the level of being a human being, I mean, these experiences are just people feel it and experience it. Yeah. And it seems like uh, mushrooms induces that for a lot of people. Yeah, in a way that, in, in a way that, that that might take people, you know, a lifetime to ever experience, and it seems like just the drug itself can actually take you there. Uh, so, which, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Are there any other uh, big uh, themes um, around the experience that you think are are common that uh, we should mention? So, um, what? What there's something called um, I know Andrew Huberman called it a oceanic boundlessness. There's mm-hmm. like we'll experience a sense of like the world being like endless and kind of almost your emotional state being kind of like fully like just completely rich and there the possibilities you know mm-hmm. being endless. And um, I mean, those are usually the experiences that are the most pleasant because, you, yeah. you know, you kind of get the sense that like anything is possible that you could really, you know, mm-hmm. you could be happier. You could be this, you could be that, you know, yeah. like because there's almost a sense of like complete abundance. Um, yeah. It seems like another. Yeah. So that, that's that stuff that, you know, when done correctly, could actually carry over into real life hopefully you know like you you obviously won't experience that to that extent but merely experiencing that can actually give you a sense of of what that would even look like yeah yeah definitely um what about um like understanding your mind better uh understanding the concept of consciousness somehow like like kind of these elusive things within you know strict scientific study that become at least subjectively uh experienced within um 
ha- having a mushroom trip like um uh anything that you would want to say on that on that topic um so again so so the consciousness that in what way like you mean like what is like how your uh, mind works like, you, like what's happening in your head on the, during the experience or yeah. like in general uh so like i i wouldn't you know know like go ask for that in detail but i think like um are, are you asking about like the kind of the levels of serotonin like whatever like the chemical kind of uh like cocktail that, that, that sort of um gets created i mean i'd be interested or? in that also but i was thinking right. more so like we were talking about the themes of of the experience and at least for me like one of them is uh like exploring my my thought process and like how i think about things and and why and the concepts of consciousness and free will like these are always kind of floating through my head and then when when i'm on mushrooms like that's like a big part of it for me so like um in what way would you say it's different than exploring that that mushroom um because it's it's something that is elusive to any type of measurement and we there's there's nothing right now in in strict scientific data that can tell us how the mind works but at least for people taking mushrooms there's the phenomenology of this experience and this is actually a big uh part of, I'm, I'm almost done with uh michael pollan's book how to change your mind you've read that one right no actually uh, oh okay it's good it's, it's, it's very interesting but yeah one of the things yeah. that uh, i'm getting from it is that uh, you know, like all these concepts aren't well defined scientifically, but uh, at least phenomenologically, like people who take mushrooms are able to have a subjective experience of like what they think consciousness is. They can have a subjective experience of like how they think their mind works. Um, and then, I mean, if enough people have subjective experiences, they can be at least compared to, to try to figure out what the hell's going on here in, in a way that um, we might not be able to otherwise because consciousness is is a strictly a subjective experience to begin with. There's So yeah, yeah. there's a lot, I feel, that mushrooms can tell us about our consciousness. Um, so I, that's just something I like to play with when I'm, when I'm on a trip and see if I can figure things out. <laughs> Well, I'm just curious, like, because um, I know that you follow Sam Harris for a while, and his um, like a big, a big part of what he uh, what he preaches is is like yeah. the, the thoughts themselves are, are merely uh, just one one kind of part of consciousness. Yeah, like really, just like, the thoughts aren't even real; they're just simply uh, they're kind of just they're just thoughts. Yeah, kind of, uh, they're just appearing. I mean, they're not that, your thoughts. You don't own yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, he goes as far as saying, like, if you're, you know, you're looking at, you're outside looking at a tree. I mean, that tree is also just a thought. Yeah. You generated, you generated a thought that there's a tree over there, but actually, you know. Yeah. I mean, that tree is there, but the experience of seeing the tree the way it is. Right. Like that being a tree is, uh, is, is a thought. Um, so, I mean, how does that, how, I'm curious, how does that connect to, Oh like, yeah, it's all it's thought, all connected. Thought themselves not being. It's all connected. Thoughts about free will. I mean, yeah. Yeah, 
yeah i mean um i think that um you know free will is not really provable consciousness isn't really provable i think that you know i i tend to like sam harris's explanations of these things because they make sense but they're not definitely correct at, you know I, at the end of the day a lot of it is just uh almost a semantics game like where do you draw the line of illusion what is really being experienced what isn't really being experienced what is what is a choice what's free will what's you know is it just because my thoughts are predetermined i can still make a decision or really i don't know i was influenced by something it's i mean a lot of it's where do you draw the line type of stuff (laughs) but i always resonate towards extremist arguments that take the line all the way to the extreme because that makes the most sense unless unless you can tell me where a line should be drawn with some type of reason um i think the most yeah. extreme case would make the most sense to me of like there is no free will or or at least free will as we think of it is largely an illusion um but you know consciousness is still very mi- mysterious and it and it's still like sam harris likes to say all the time uh you know like what is it like to be me like and when you have that ego dissolution you don't even have that (laughs) yeah 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 and and when you're on mushrooms i mean that's what i'm thinking about a lot is what is it like to be me what is me because the thoughts aren't mine they're appearing i didn't choose the thoughts that are in my head uh i didn't choose you know where i was born i didn't choose like things that have happened to me in my life so you know, so what is it like to be me? Is me just the observer? And when I'm no longer observing, what am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And who is who is the observer, right? You can almost like take it to the next level. Right? Yeah. Uh, who's a, you know, there's... Because the question is, right, the question is like, who's actually the one noticing that there are no thoughts? Right. The thoughts are, are merely, uh, yeah. So, um, it's interesting. I, I actually started thinking about this a lot, like after my latest experience in mushrooms, mm-hmm. like it was like, so never really, didn't really get into Sam Harris's meditation app, uh, for that. So I'd be curious as to, to see what that would look like on my next trip to see, cause yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So like, I'm actually, <laughs> so like you, you're saying that you're, you, you think about where you try to try to utilize the experience that you're having to, to get answers to these questions. Yeah. And honestly, I think it helps a lot. Like I feel like Sam Harris's meditations, uh, assist me in my mushroom trips and, and vice versa <laughs> because like really? having the concepts in my head that like when I try to meditate, I'm like, I don't really know what he's talking about. He's like, try to look for who's looking or, you know, look in the mirror and like the head is, I mean, it's just a, an illusion. Like there's no evidence from that. You have a head, like the mirror is just another image that you're seeing, like, which I mean, it's like crazy, but then when I'm on mushrooms and I'm, then those concepts start making sense. And then yeah. when I'm meditating, I can kind of pull from my, my mushroom experiences to aid me in my mindfulness. Because that, yeah, they kind of go hand in hand for me. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes wonder if like the peak experiences that people have, like the most pleasant experiences on mushrooms, like the reason they're so they're so pleasant, uh, is because you're just 
you're, you're just a hundred percent in the present moment. Yeah. Like I remember just these, these, these moments where I was just, you know, I'm somewhere in nature or something, you know, looking, looking at the tree, at like these green trees and uh, green leaves and looking at the sky and everything. And just like being in awe Yeah. about just how beautiful it all is and how just, just, just the fact that it's, that it's a tree, you know, just yeah. the tree itself just being, um, and I think with that, um, that, uh, yeah, like you said, like it could, it could enhance your, your experience of mindfulness, like outside of the experience of mushrooms. And then, yeah. um, I assume like experience, like practicing mindfulness, you know, uh, could actually, could, could, could kind of, uh, direct you in the right, uh, on, on the correct kind of road, like when you're on, when you're on the, on the trip. Yeah. And, and so, that, that word, that feeling of awe, that's like very powerful. That's a big, um, that concept of awe, that's something they were also talking about in, uh, in How to Change Your Mind in Michael Pollan's book. Um, they're, they're talking about some of the research that they're doing with psilocybin, um, specifically in aiding um, like cessation of, of drug addiction. So uh, whether people were addicted to things like, like heroin or cocaine or cigarettes, um, and, and, uh, psilocybin was proven to, to be very useful in helping people, uh, quit those things. And also, um, people who had a, uh, di- a, a, a diagnosis that, that they were going to die, like, a um, like they had a cancer diagnosis or something like that. Um, and psilocybin was shown to be very effective in, in reducing the anxiety around those types of diagnoses. And the, I think the, the main theory is that concept of awe that is um like that's the main thing that that i think i understand they were saying was what can assist your mind in kind of rewiring around these concepts um and these are all clinical studies so they were assisted by you know with a therapist but i guess i guess what they were saying is like having that feeling of awe allows you to reevaluate your life uh and prioritize different things like that feeling of awe from psychedelics yeah. is so powerful. It's the, it's the sense of the awe and that, that was, it was related to, to uh, people with diagnosed terminal illnesses. Yeah. Feeling a sense of, um, interesting. So like, right. Like the way the, um, there's this guy, Roland Griffiths. It, yeah. He, um, he, he's the, the lead psychologist or, you know, I, I believe he's a psychiatrist actually, uh, at Johns Hopkins. He, he like, is the director of the psilocybin mm-hmm. uh, research uh, department. And, um, he was just diagnosed with, uh, stage four yeah. cancer. And he talks about how theme of that, you know, they're being, people who, who are diagnosed with these illnesses could be their own direction of, of gratitude or and I would I assume that like a sense of awe is connected to, to, to a sense of gratitude you know, a sense right. of being grateful for, for the moments that you have right now and or just go in the opposite direction just being right. you know, withdrawing and not talking to people or, or something you know or just being so so I think it's it's very interesting, but I think 
Like, you know, you, it, the, you can't say that mushrooms is an addictive uh, substance, for, I think, for that reason. It's, you'll, you'll come across themes like this that, that are not, like, you don't necessarily, yeah, it's not just escapism. Right. Uh, so, but, um, I don't know, is there anything else you wanted to? Yeah. Okay. Can you describe the stoned ape theory? So, um, so that I believe that's, uh, is that Terrence McKenna? I believe uh, it might be. Actually, can, can you actually? I think you probably know more about it. I know that that's uh, the idea. The, the general idea is that um, humans evolved, um, you know, and it uh, evolved by by taking mushrooms and experiencing, um, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't know too much actually about it. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the general concept, right? That um, you know, the thing that that got you know humans to to evolve from their primitive states were discovering yeah. psychedelics that expanded their mind. <laughs> and back to uh archetypes, like my my theory yeah. is that, you know, the Eight Hadat in Ganeden was uh psychedelics. You know, there was Adam right. and Eve and they didn't know anything and they ate literally from the tree of knowledge and then they yep. knew good from evil. So to me, that's a representation of the stone ape theory. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stone ape theory is that, uh, that, that, that sort of, the idea is that people, uh, that just, you know, the, the pre the humanoid creatures that came before us, uh, have, uh, discovered mushrooms they ate more mushrooms than other species yeah or, or so that that's how okay is it uh, <laughs> that other animals never tried it or is that <laughs> why why did they well that's that's the thing right obviously uh uh there's a lot of assumptions there right because humans had to have already been capable of of expanding their mind in this way i mean we know that like there are apes right now <laughs> that are are taking mushrooms and they're not um, learning how to speak English, like, like, so, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, but Have there been studies about, uh, because um, I, I know generally these things are done, done like lab rats, right? Like, but yeah, or, I or, imagine or, that so. studies have been done, but, but also in the wild, like primates do eat psychedelic substances all the time in the wild. You know, and yeah. and and I yeah. think that the studies have shown that they like it and they're drawn to it and they'll do it, but I don't know if they exhibit higher forms of intelligence afterwards. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's not a foolproof theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, only, yeah. 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 What were you saying? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, when you first mentioned it, I was I, I was it asked me to explain it. I was, I was going to say that it's Joe Rogan's idea, but apparently it's actually I think that's well. Joe Rogan says it a lot. <laughs> he says it a lot. He almost thinks it's from yeah, but it makes sense that um, where is it from originally? Who, who actually? Well, I thought you were saying it's Terrence McKenna. Is that is that the case? I'm not sure actually, but um, yeah, but yeah. I, I I do think that that psychedelics played a major role in formation of civilizations and religions, like we mentioned, and and I, I you know, 
it does seem to have a very rich history of um, influencing people in 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 good ways. Um, and uh, I I I think uh, I think if people did more, we'd have uh, we'd have more world peace and people would get along and be more. Because I mean, you get a lot of empathy. I mean, I do. Like I feel like I I, I get more open minded. Yeah. I get more empathetic. Um, there's there's something yeah. missing from people who are kind of closed minded and and view the world very narrowly. Um, yeah. You know that I think you they would benefit from from doing psychedelics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's probably true. I mean, I think I've probably experienced that too. I mean, there's uh, some. I feel like I I can understand things that are outside of my own experience better yeah. than I than I ever was capable of before that. Yeah. Because that's probably that that's kind of what empathy is, right? Like going outside of your right. own your own head and trying to think of what someone else would experience. So, right. Um, I'm still not fully con- not convinced that it should be. Um, that it should be available to everyone. Really? Uh, I mean, I think, because I think ideally the best way to take it is probably in a, in a clinical setting with, you know, and I, I just think that that's, so you're worried about people it. doing it in not, not respecting it, not doing it, you know, therapeutically. Um, and, uh, and then it just becomes, uh, just like another party drug. That is that like your main concern? Well, it's not even the party drug. It's people can experience like terrifying things without mm. without actually benefiting from that. Like like not really not knowing the meaning of it or like knowing what to make of all of this. It's just like exper- like experiencing trauma. The like right. for, for reason, right? Like, um, I mean, it's I don't know. It's like and also like the um, like I I think it is. It could potentially be dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. Like if you're you're experiencing something that that makes you forget that you're that you exist, right? Like, what's to stop you from like running out in the street and right. you know, like I think there's like there's some some good argument. I mean, I don't. I think people should use it more, but but I'm not convinced that it should be done like. Uh, <laughs> Willing should be like put put in the put in the water supply or something. I mean, yeah, do you yeah. do you think is that what you think? Like, you think like everyone should be just available? <laughs> no, no, that was just like uh, I, I I think uh, Joe Rogan says something like just like carpet bomb the Middle East with psychedelics <laughs> and stuff like that. Which I don't know, but but uh, no, I'm not I'm not saying it should be in the water supply. I mean, I do I do think that that uh, any and all uh, substances should be completely legal for whatever you want to do with it. But I would recommend people you know do research and, and plan it and and do it in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean that's. It's hard to really, yeah, it's hard to really know the answer to this because, like, I think also there's some benefit potentially to doing things in a freer way. Yeah, like, I don't know. If, like, I'm. I mean, the reason these things are done, you know, in, in such a controlled environment, yeah, you know, at Johns Hopkins or whatever, is because they they actually want to want to be able to, you know, produce something. Uh, that they can replicate and right. things like that. But you don't know, if, is that necessarily the best way to, to do it? And I don't know. I mean, I, my feeling is that 
it's more likely to be the correct way than, than something else. But at the same time, maybe if it was just restricted to, to those those settings, I mean, maybe people would also lose out in some way or another. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, but it's also like, it's also a matter of like, like it's, it's a waste, you know, it's a waste to not take it, to, to not take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's yeah. kind of a waste of potential. You know, yeah. you can actually expand your, your, yeah. So, um, but yeah. Definitely. Mark, we're getting towards the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing, if you had to choose one thing that you want me and all of our listeners to know about psilocybin? Well, uh, I would say like, you could really benefit from reading up on it before, before trying it. Like I kind of, I think in hindsight, like like I really could have benefited from like knowing what not to do, like the environments to avoid while doing it. And, and these things are, are kind of readily available. If you read a book like, like Michael Pollan's, uh, how to change your mind. I think that that's, um, like if, if you're going to decide to do it or not do it, like that would really give you like that's clarity on this, you know? Yeah. Well, now I know. 